Infrastructure is crumbling and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smelter. There we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. My name is Chad Smelter. I'm your host. Today's guest is Jason Jason Mitchell, who's the Public Works Director for the City of Baltimore. Thanks for joining me, Jason. No, thanks, Chad, for having me. I'm excited. I, I'm excited, man. I, I looked at your background, City of Oakland. Now you're in Baltimore. How did you get into Public Works? Oh, man, that's a great question. I, it, it, it's, it's by accident, right? I'm not a <laughs> I'm not an engineer. So, you know, first thing you think about public works, you think of engineer. I'm not one of those. I'm a, I'm a fiscal guy. I'm a business guy. So, you know, I actually, I joined government uh, in the finance sector. So I was just, you know, guy, did debits and credits, you know, did a little HR soft skill stuff. Right. Yeah. And then one day I had an opportunity to said, Hey, you're a pretty good manager. You, I think you can go and manage the operations yard. Yeah. Like, so what's the operations yard? That's how much knowledge I knew, right? It was like, you right. know, manage our sewers, our storm drains, our illegal dumping, our, you know, park maintenance, all the stuff public works do. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, let me give it a shot. Right. <laughs> you know, it sounds like something different. You know, I'm bored. I'm getting bored. I'm a bored accountant. Let me try something outside of my comfort zone, if you will. Yeah. And so I went to the service yard and it's a whole different environment, as you know from folks behind the computer typing, doing, uh, you know, accounting work for folks out there really doing work on uh, boots on the ground. And so I got my first taste into real public works action doing that operations and kind of fell in love with it. Like, oh man, this is great. Awesome. Um, but two, I understood the value of it. Like, I mean, for like three decades, three and a half decades of my life, I was like, you asked me what was underground, I'll be like dirt, right? <laughs> now I know it's a little bit more under that. and so. I got that first taste of it. And then from there, you know, I just grew into the capital side and then I became a public works director um, in Oakland and then now in Baltimore City. And, you know, it was just being comfortable with being uncomfortable, doing something different. Right. And learning right. something different. And, you know, I'm unique in that way. I can I can sit with my chief financial officer and have a discussion. I can I can sit with my engineers and have a discussion and I can also go out in the service yard and have a, a meaningful discussion and be able to cross over because of all those experiences. So, but public works is just fun. You know, it's just an exciting, you know, thing, you know, we deal with challenges and we fix them. Yeah, no, that's a, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, look, you're in Baltimore right now. You have 3000 full-time employees. It looks like. Uh, yeah, we have almost, we have 2,800 employees. We have about 1.1, $1.2 billion budget and we provide water and wastewater service for about one third of the state of Maryland. So as oh, you can wow. imagine, we're really big. In addition to that, you know, we provide solid waste services. So we pick up your garbage cans, we collect illegal dumping, we do graffiti, your more traditional public works thing. Yeah. So we're just a pretty big, one of the biggest in the country, public yeah. works department. And we're excited about what we do. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And it, you have 1.8 million customers. Is that is that what? 1.8 million customers. That's yeah. A lot, so. Man. That's, oh, a that's a lot. It's a lot of great customers, but it's a lot of expectations, making sure that they yeah. get, you know, to flush the toilets, making sure they get fresh water every day. And many of our customers making sure we pick up their municipal trash. So yeah, it's, 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 
it's exciting, but it's a challenge, right? Because right. this day and age, uh, Baltimore, just give a little background for folks that don't know about Baltimore. Baltimore's, uh, Maryland's one of, you know, the 13 original co colonies. So that means yeah. Baltimore's old, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, we, we had recently uh, what we call a boil water advisory, meaning there was some contamination within our water at two locations. Yeah. And the, the issue was some uh, infrastructure damage that, that caused that. Uh, the average age of the infrastructure was 1890. Wow. So just think about that. Like we're dealing with, you know, 140 year old wow. infrastructure in Baltimore. So that's our big challenge is, is really dealing like with that old infrastructure. And it, it causes challenges. But uh, I can tell you, people that built it in 1800 for the last 140 years, they did a good doggone job. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. I've been to Federal Hill. Uh, I think it's called yeah. Federal Hill, one of the neighborhoods. Federal Hill, yes. Ooh, yes, sir. It's old. It's <laughs> old. old. I was down in the basement. I was like, we we're going to this like speakeasy bar. I was like, wow, this is an old building, man. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I love Federal Hill. It was a fun place to to hang out. But uh, so what do you, I'm going to go back a little bit. Like you, you're you're a unique public works director, being that you have that able you know ability to talk to the, to the operators that are in the ground doing the work. Right. And then you also have the government leadership side where you can speak to the leadership and, you know, and, and, and advise them on like what's happening in public works. Where do you think a lot of public works directors have not done those type of things? I, I don't think everyone's done that. So what makes like how have you adapted to be able to do that? No, I mean, when you think of public works, you, you, you initially just go, listen, we're going to have a, a civil engineer. Yeah, that's going to run this thing. And they're going to build great utility projects. And so, you know, as technology advances um, and as we have some great engineers in our organization, what we know, especially in this environment where money is limited, right? Inflation yeah. is out of control. And, you know, our customers want excellent customer service. You know, we look at our Department of Public Works as an enterprise, a business. How do we run yep. the business of public works? And yeah. not so much just a, a public works department. And so that's critical for us. So, for yeah. example, you know, I care about how my customers feel about what we do. So I need to pick up the phone quickly. I need to respond to emails. I need to have a better way to communicate. And that communication is just as critical as building the infrastructure. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, happy customers, happy life in, in a sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> true. So true. I, but two, now that. You know, the cost of projects are expensive. A project that was five years, a $10 million project is $20 million a day. Yeah. And so how do we afford this? How do we get creative in affording these projects, not just building them? It's so critical for us in maintaining our rates. So for yeah. us, I, I, I don't think it's just me in here in Baltimore City or where I was in Oakland that's seeing it. I think you're starting to see a whole shift in this industry uh, that we need more than just an engineer to build it. And, and an engineer could have that business mind as well, but we yeah. need somebody to have that business acumen and look at this thing and be like, how do we leverage this stuff so that it's a lot cheaper? Yeah, no, it, it's hundred percent. I, I think that a lot of uh, municipalities or cities, you know, they don't have that business mindset that you bring to the table. That's really unique because it is a business. It is, you know, whatever constituents are in your community, they are your customer. That's Absolutely. what we're here, public service, right? I mean, that's what we do. So uh, I think a lot of cities that can't keep up with the, the customer demand, so to speak, you know, and they're more reactive, they, they completely start to drop the ball. 
And that's where the trust within the community starts to unravel, so to speak, because, you know, you're not getting there on time when they're calling to pick up the leads or they're calling to pick up that. And it seems monotonous, right? But it's things yeah. that people want is that's, that's how they, they, they want services now, <laughs> not tomorrow. Yeah. Now, go ahead. And not now. They want it right now. Right. And, <laughs> right. So, and so, you know, and that's critical. And two, you know, one of the things that I recognize and, and our city recognizes is to uh, the way we get paid is to two, to two main things, right? Property yeah. tax and your water bill, right? That's yeah. how it funds our operation. And so if we don't build a good communication, a good level of trust and, and expectations, when it now costs to build it, you know, you, you have a, 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 a customer base that's frustrated. What we want to do is say, hey, we're going to build that trust now. We're going to build that conversation now. So when we do come to the table, you understand why and that, you know, you may or may not be willing to fund it. But it is a level of trust that's already baked into that conversation. Yeah. So they, they know that uh, they understand why we need to do what we need to do. And, and may, mainly is to make sure that when you turn on your faucet, you get a good <laughs> glass of water. Right. And that, that's that's the main goal. Yeah, hundred percent, and uh, you know that's that's that is what we're here for in public works, and that's that is the goal for sure. Uh, so, if we look at the way uh, utilities, let's use water for example, right? Yeah. Uh, we how many miles of pipe do you have in the city? You know, uh, just water. We have uh, about uh, total for all of our distribution systems. We have I think six thousand miles. 6,000 miles. That's a lot yeah. of pipe, man. That's, yeah. uh, that's oh, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and you just think about like how <laughs> it is for your teams to maintain that and then non-revenue. What are you guys looking at, you know, with all the non-revenue of water leaks and things like that? How are you, how is the city approaching, you know, resolving the non-revenue stuff that's happening? Uh, what we're doing is, is proactive maintenance. So proactive, preventative, and, and even, um, for us, predictive maintenance. So that's where mm. we're going. So, you know, back in the day, I used to be like, hey, we're going to do proactive, proactive maintenance, right? And we're going to assess that. But right now, we want, we're want we now stepping it up, right? And looking at, you know, for us, at least in, in our industry, predictive maintenance, mm -hmm. right? Because, like for example, I can have a, a water pipe, right? That's in this part of the city, and you have a high salt content or a lot of things within that soil. So that right. pipe is going to disintegrate a lot faster than another part of the city. Even though that they're built at the same time, this one may last 60 years. This may last, like we just discussed, 140 years, right? Right. And so for us, we need to start looking at, for us, really uh, uh, a, a different approach of, of, of how we want to do our predictive maintenance. And how do we get there, right? And that's the big thing right. for us is leveraging technology, right? And so... Yeah whether it's my storm, whether it's my sewer, whether it's my water pipe, how can I do better leak detection? How do I uh, assess, right, the, uh, the condition of those assets? How right. do I put that into a model, a GS, GIS model? How do I put in a modeling? So now if I have $10, I'm going to get this level of return. And, and I know what that return is, right? right? And that's going to be the best return that that our money can get at that time in the market. And so for us, that's the most critical. It's, it's forget the old school preventative maintenance, right? We need right. to leverage technology and be in that predictive maintenance. And that's where we're going as an asset. And, and that's where we're putting our cameras in our lines. That's when we're CCTV in it. 
that's where, you know, we're doing a lot of other things that really is giving us asset condition. Yeah. Not just underground assets. You know, we're looking at it for our, our, our water treatment plants, our wastewater treatment plants. How do we extend a useful life? Right. Yeah. If, if I built it, right, if I maintain it decent, right, it's going to last 25, 30 years. Yeah. If I have a huge preventative and predictive maintenance, I may get 60 useful life. Well, that's going to save everybody a lot of money. And so that's 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 what we're doing. That's yeah. that's and, and we're, we're, we're leveraging a lot of technology. <laughs> that, that, I think we, we spoke a little bit before, you know, technology is your utilities friend now. Like we cannot do this work in silos. Right. We got to break down that wall. And we got to really, you know, do that work and, and, and use it and leveraging technology. And, and when we do, we just get better results. For example, um, we uh, did a lot of pipe replacement. We do 15 miles of pipe replacement for our water utility every year. Okay. Right. Before it was like, hey, we're just getting in this area and we're going to replace 15 right. miles. We're like, no, right. that's not the model anymore. <laughs> This area is going to, that asset is going to, based upon our predictive modeling, is going to last longer versus this. Why? Because I know every year when my water main breaks are, I I take a condition when it breaks. I look at that area. I see when it's built. We take, you know, soil samples. And now we know a lot more than we just did besides I'm just going to replace some pipe. And that's the level of analysis that we're now digging into. Love it, man. Uh, that's a it, man. We're, we need you in every city in the cross, across the country because that's yeah. that's exactly what we need to do. Pr- predictive maintenance is is huge in in figuring out where the next capital projects are going to be and where to prioritize your your budgets and you know make sure that we don't have failures like that occur. You know, within different cities within our country periodically. You know, with water pump failures and stuff. So you're in the right path. Uh, where have you been able to grab the data, though? Because the data can be spread. I mean, you're talking historically, too. You know, you look at engineering firms that have had, you know, work done in Baltimore City. You know, maybe there's multiple different types of engineering firms like that data is kind of spread out. How have you been able to find all that information about those, you know, the 6000 miles of, of distribution and, and figure out which ones are going to be needing the most repairs? Is that still fragmented? It's like what's the data look like? Yeah, it's still a little fragmented. So you just think about how we started, right? With old yeah. maps, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and just scanning maps into a system, right? And so that, and, and then the second piece for that is now using that map to update our GIS system and what we yeah. know when people pull permits, the age of it. And then we, what we've done as our data points, then we overlay that with our our, our operational uh, uh, software, right? And and, yeah. and 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 say, okay, what has happened over the useful time that we've had, say, CityWorks, right? Yeah. And we say, okay, we had this, this software for 12 years. This is what 12 years of data tells us about it, right? This is where overflows are happening. This is where um, storm drains are, are flooding. This is where water uh, mains are breaking. This is where valves are having issues, right? Yeah. And, and we look at all that information, right? And then we also are doing inspections now. So... Um, every year we're expecting a certain knowledge in our system. And now we're pulling that information into it. What are we seeing? What deterioration are we seeing? How is our manholes looking? How is this looking, right? Yeah. And we're just laying data on top of data. And what we have done, right? And and I I can't say me, I'm I'm a finance guy, so I didn't do any of this stuff. They then take all that 
data and analytics and put it into a dashboard and you know, business analytics, you know, yeah. uh, they call it around here. I'm, I'm, they just give me maps and graphs, <laughs> but uh, they, uh, they give me that. And they're saying based upon all that modeling, like this is what we need to do. And then two in Baltimore, we're laying another layer on top of that. And that's equity. Ooh. So that's a huge thing for us. Right. So it's where we're now going to do it. So, um, you know, more disadvantaged neighborhoods that hasn't had a, a traditional, a lot of capital, we didn't layer equity on top of that. So we have layer, many layers, how it all comes together is, is through the great dashboard that our IT folks create for us with all the experience that these uh, engineers and GIS folks are given. So what we found out there can't be silos. So anybody that, that ran a, a public works agency and everywhere I go, right? There's always engineers and maintenance folks. The maintenance folks said, you give me something that doesn't make sense. And engineers say, you know, the maintenance folks, you know, they ain't give me anything. What yeah. we try to tear down that wall is engineer and maintenance people are in the room together mm, with our it. GIS people, with our IT people, and we're yeah. making decisions together because yeah. everyone sees it from a different perspective. And the more we get in, the, the better results. And so we're just trying to, I'm gonna say it's perfect, but right. we're trying every year to better that. And as we get more data, we're making better, more educated decisions. Yeah. Hey, what what has been some of the bigger challenges of doing that? Because it's a massive undertaking, obviously. Yeah. So I would assume like getting training in place for the your your employees to actually start inputting the data and then you know uh they're if they've been around a long time maybe they don't want to switch to the ipad and you know that kind of thing what are the some of the struggles you've had since implementing this uh, you know predictive maintenance and you know system yeah so just initially right now our biggest struggle you know is getting equipment right uh, with the supply chain challenges getting a car getting a CCTV van, getting a VAG truck, getting, you know, a construction um, truck. It, yeah. it's, I mean, it's taking a garbage truck. It's taking us two, three years to get um, some of that. So from some of it is just supply chain challenges for us. But two, again, to your point, adopting to new technology. We have folks that, you know, never turned on a computer in their lives, right? And right. Now you want me to hold an iPad and just be <laughs> functional? Um, so th yeah. that was a big challenge. And, and we're in a labor environment, so we have to work with our labor group. So training our being patient. Yeah. Um, in some cases, adjusting our operational crews with someone that's not as tech, tech, technology driven and, and had that mindset to somebody that is. And right. so even adjust our operations to, to, to meet that. And then last is time. Yeah. Every year we're getting better. But with the infrastructure the size that we have it's going to take a decade a decade and a half to continue yeah. to get data so we have to and we don't know what we don't know so right. it's it's time is our like i want to like do it all today right but there's not enough money or resources to do that so time is really something that uh we just have to be patient with yeah i mean look it, it, the size of your system six thousand miles of water main and then it sounds like you're replacing 15 miles of you know, but you're, it sounds like the budget has it in there to replace 15 miles, but now you're being more proactive and getting predictive analysis. You're, you're going out and fixing what needs to be repaired first. It sounds like, right. Yeah. And even at 6,000 miles of water main, it's still a long road to repair that. I, you know, I think we're finding that the de degradation of the infrastructure is so fast. Now you're talking about time, right? It's like, 
okay, well, the water system's starting to fall apart faster, more leaks, more leaks, more leaks, yeah. you know, more repairs. Are you seeing that trend? Like you're finding more repairs and more repairs, like spot repairs, you know, for water main leaks and stuff. Where do you think we could uh, get more funding? Like how's the, you know, cause we're going to need it. Obviously there's yeah. a lot of pipe. I mean, and I don't think we're all, you can have enough taxpayers to pay enough uh, higher rates to do that. How do you think we can, you know, encourage uh, maybe some funding, better funding? No, I mean, for, and for us, when we look at our pipe, you know, we're looking at our water, we're looking at our sewers, and we're looking at storms. So, yeah. you know, it's significant. And to your point, funding is a challenge, right? We can't pass all this on to our ratepayers as their utility bill wouldn't be affordable. And that, that's, and so the president, as you know, uh, you know, a year and a half or so, ago uh, released the infrastructure bond or in yeah. infrastructure measure that's really putting infrastructure as 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 a forefront of of, of, of of what he's doing as a president not only to to build the economy and create more jobs but to to rebuild if you will the foundation of america if you will yeah uh, streets roads bridges you know water system storms you know sewer systems and so for us it's critical that you know we continue to work with our federal partners we, we we're in the state of Maryland. Uh, some of that passed through uh, the state of Maryland. So really work with our state of Maryland partners, but also keep this conversation at the forefront because when you see infrastructure also, and you hear it with all the presidents, right? Yeah. They talk about roads and bridges, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's more. We got to say roads, bridges, and then we have to talk about water, sewer and storm infrastructure, right? Because that's critical as well. When you see some of the major challenges that have happened in some major cities around water, right? Yeah. It was because of old systems, right? right. Um, a lot of it was disinvestment. And, and what we want to do is be in the forefront and disinvest our investment. And, 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 and we have to partner in that. And so I, I, I've been in DC a lot on this, uh, uh, but I, I, I believe that there's a huge interest in this new, in this administration and there's a huge interest as a state level to really help push this. So we're excited about it yeah. um, and excited about the opportunity to be able to do upgrades. We know it won't solve all the issues, right. but everything helps. Right. It does. Yeah, yeah. everything does for sure. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, in communities uh, that are disadvantaged. Right. It, I look at it as a way to we could take infrastructure and give back to the communities. All we got to do, you said, like running like a business, right? We have to give them an opportunity in them as in, you know, teaching them about business, running a business, developing a business. And that that that, you know, disadvantaged areas, we need to bring those communities up. And right. I think we can leverage infrastructure and predictive analysis as a way to do that. And we'll talk about that off the podcast, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I got some ideas. Uh, but, but I think, you know, what you're doing is awesome because it, it, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, fixing infrastructure, predictive analysis, but also diversity, equity, inclusion, and helping out these, these disadvantaged communities. Right. Right. So I think that, if we can get the federal funding to do these repairs and replacements and things like that, and in these areas, we can really start to make a difference in bringing the economies up. Like you're talking about, man, it, it's true. It's like, we can, you know, bring back the city, so to speak, yeah. uh, where they're old, you know, <laughs> they, they just don't have the right infrastructure and in old buildings and things like that, but we can use that as a way to come back. How do you think, 
we could, uh, you know, fix some of the labor shortages that you're dealing with in, in public works right now? Wow, that's a great uh, that's a great question because we struggle with that. And I, we, you know, like I say, one out of every four of our positions are vacant. We need people. So yeah, I, I'm going to shameless plug BaltimoreCity.gov. Go to, uh, go to HR, sign up for a job. We got a lot of jobs for you. Love uh, it. So come on and be a part of our team. But uh, when you look at it, so for example, myself, I'm going to take myself as example for, you know, three decades plus, I didn't know what public works was. You know, yeah. public works never came to my school and said this was a great profession. I had lawyers, you know, I had doctors, I had police officers, firefighters, but no one put public works said this would be a great job working in the water industry. Yeah. And so what we have to do is, is let people know that we exist, that number one, this is a great career. Yeah. Number two, that you can have a great life off of this career. And number two, three, I think is most important, you know, it will be around as long as you're in existence, you're not going to live without water. You're not going to live without sewer. You're not going to live without garbage or storm. You need right. that infrastructure to run any civilized society. So let folks know we don't do a lot of layoffs, right? So it's a, right. this is a great thing. So come here and, and really get a great job and a great career. And so I think for us, we have to start younger. Mm -hmm. When someone grows up, they like, I want to be a garbage person. I want to work in our laboratories. I want to be a, a biology person and test our water quality. I want to be a, a construction worker and, and dig up and, and replace pipes. Yeah. And so if we start that at an early age, we have more talent pool that will recognize us as a true career and may want to come and, and, and join our ranks. And I think if we start earlier on and really do that and, and create workforce opportunities, we'll be great. I, my son is in cybersecurity, right? So yeah. cybersecurity is everything. My son is really excited about it. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunities now to do that because, you know, we all know we're going to need that in the future. We just have to have that same level of commitment and energy and, and, and education for, for utility space as well. Because yeah. as we age out and people age out, there, there's a lot of opportunities. But, you know, with that institutional knowledge coming and, and not new knowledge coming on board, it's right. going to be a struggle for us in these utilities. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And that's, uh, that's probably one of the, well, that's why we're in this situation now. Boomers yeah. retired. So my kids call me a boomer still. I'm not even a boomer. <laughs> they still call me a boomer. But anyway, uh, you know, the boomers are retiring. And, uh, you know, right. we got that intellectual knowledge leaving. And now we're relying on technology, right? The, Correct. The data that you're talking about and, and making better analysis on where to make repairs and replacement stuff. So if, if we have all these things going on, and you know we're we're struggling to bring on labor do you think and i brought this up before do you think we should maybe represent like public works as an employee as a different type like a technology position or a uh maybe just a first responder i've talked about that before yeah. like what do you think we could do to to make it more attractive it's just i don't know i think there's a better way <laughs> no i i think those are both great examples the way we're leveraging technology is a lot different. We have laptops in the car. We got uh, iPads on it. We have a lot of data and sensors in our system that's giving us information. Yeah. So from a technology standpoint, it's great. And two, from a cybersecurity, we have an intentional effort to protect our water source from yeah. attacks too. So there's a lot of technology uh, things that you can do in this arena that is, is excellent. 
we are first responder. We don't respond to fires or, you know, uh, you know, crime activity, but we right. respond to, uh, to, you know, water main breaks, right? That's a critical function. And so yeah. having highlight the importance of it, right? Just yeah. like a, a fire, a fire, uh, fighter, a police officer, uh, public works, we all should be working in any municipality together to tell that story. Um, but we, I think the, I think the most critical piece that people don't get here is that this is a rewarding career. Yeah. I um, mean, you could build a great life off of this. And one of the things that I was telling uh, some of our apprenticeship just the other day is that it's not just in Baltimore that you built that career. Yeah. These skill sets can be taken throughout the world um, because everybody needs this infrastructure. So you're, you're, you're creating a skill set that is now unlimited in scope on how you can sell it. And so um, the, that's the reason why we're in this space, right? Because yeah. we see a lot of opportunities. Right. And we just have to let people see it through the same eyes in which we're seeing it. Yeah. Now yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right on. I, I think it's a, it, it's just a, a, a place we're in right now where we need to change it. And then uh, obviously make it more attractive. We'll get more of the young professionals in, in, yeah. in public works. And then we'll start making a difference. It's just uh, this little gap we have. What do you think about the, the, with all this infrastructure money coming in and then all the contractors that are available, we have a shortage there too. How right. do you think we're going to be able to fix that gap or bridge that gap of like construction companies, uh, limited resources there and all this projects that are going to come up in the future? Uh, yeah, we, we got to give folks to be entrepreneurs. I mean, I think for us, it's critical. I, so we're, we're actually, me and the mayor, I think tomorrow or, or Thursday, we have a press conference, what we call unbundling our contracts. Oh, so so for what we're doing is uh, say, for example, a public works contract is worth ten million dollars. There's very limited folks that can what we say get bonding approved to be able to do that type of contract. Right. Um, so it limits the pool that can bid on it, and thus not a lot of competition. You don't have a lot of competition. Costs can creep up. Right. And so what we're doing is unbundling. We're going to break that $10 million contract into five $2 million contracts. Love it. Um, and then we're going to teach these smaller firms how to be primed. Yeah. Um, so that we can create a bigger marketplace for us in Baltimore City and the Baltimore region. Yeah. And so that that project is, is commencing. Um, we'll be going out to RFPRQ this summer. Okay. And we'll begin that and to and what we're doing is just creating more generals so yeah. that they can bid on our contract. And what we're doing is keeping our con uh, pushing and breaking up some of our contracts so that it's it's manageable for, for our contractor. And we we're doing that for to your point, so that we can get better pricing and better competition for us. So it won't help us so much in the short term because it's going to take time for training, but we see this three or four or five years from now. Yes. But now I can introduce another five GCs, general contractors, into our in our area. They're local, and then maybe we can get better pricing. And then from an economic standpoint, when we start looking at finance, that money circulates within the Baltimore city economy. So not only is the general contractor doing well, now you have more people working on site, more you know professional service people getting contracts, more folks doing trucking, and they live in the area, and the, the dollars are circulating in our area. So we're looking at it from a bigger economic standpoint as well. There you go. 
Yeah. No, Jason, that's a hundred percent. That's it. That's economic yeah. sustainability that you're talking about. That's it. Absolutely. hundred percent what needs to be done. And that's amazing that it was taking us this long to get to that point, but you got these multi massive contracts. You can't get bonding. No one wants to bid on the contract. It's it's. And here's the other thing is we take one thing like repair manholes. I can just use that. Yep. And we mash it up with street repairs or street reconstruction or pipeline replacement and all into one bid. And I'm like, yeah. you just, you isolated yourself. Like no one's going to bid on it. You got yeah, too correct. many things in there. So breaking yeah. it up and unbundling, like you said, is, is a great idea. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, so I think the only other thing you, you would have to worry about is like, you know, uh, accountability, like who's going to manage all that, who's going to oversee that kind of stuff. Cause that's a lot of work and, and, you know, yeah. to, to make sure the projects are getting done on time. And, and, and what do you, how do you envision like the oversight on that? Yeah, so we're creating a a, 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 a PM, a extra PM just for that, because okay. what we know is we're going to have some contractors that are not as strong in the administrative piece, right? They're going to need yeah. that support. Uh, we got to make sure that we pay them on time, because you know sometimes government's a little late on that. So we got to make sure that we pay them on time, and then we have to make sure that that PM is tight and there's accountability, so that people are showing up when they need, so that these projects don't get delayed. And that's where the focus is on that success. So this pilot is going to be looking at some of the positives and negatives of that. So that as we try to expand that out into a lot of different areas within that we expand it out with a, with some case study so that we yeah. do it right. And we don't start this big thing, right? And yeah. then it blows up and then no one ever wants to do it again, right? Yeah, so you don't want to do that. Yeah, we want to start small, see what the success and failures are. But our first critical thing was we're going to need to really structure this PM program, project management program, very strongly put in additional resources there so that we can have, so that we can do that. Now, where do we yeah. get the money to pay for that PM short and long term is because I'm going to get more competitive bids and my engineering costs are going to be down. So I'm going to be able to put a little bit more administrative work into yeah. it to cover that cost. Um, so we're, we're looking at it. I mean, we're trying to look at this thing at a bigger level. Oh, yeah. So that that we can, um, so that we can be competitive. I mean, I, I mean, we just did a project. Engineering estimate was sixty thousand, sixty million dollars. Yeah. Right? The low bid came in at eighty eight. Right. So wow. you know it, those things paying for you know PM is nothing if I can get that, that cost is, down right. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> that's amazing what inflation is doing to and, all the costs. And, 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 yeah, and then at, and then at, so inflation is is killing us in so many ways. It's yeah. not just so much the cost of all this stuff. Is now we dealing with the cost of capital with interest rates. So get revenue bonding and bonding this out. So yeah. you're getting double dings. You're getting the cost of borrowing money is going up high, and then the cost of the projects themselves are going up high. Yeah. Um. So it's it's really you know it's taking a toll on all the all the utilities, quite frankly. Yeah. And and so what we're trying to do is say, well, let's prepare for it now, right? Yeah. You know, and 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 let's make sure that we have a three to five year plan that's going to push out and drive some of those costs down. So to your point, how do I create more competition in this right. space? Well, it, you know, there's it, we need more information on the private side too, like what the costs are. You know, are they are they paying their bills? Are they, you know, the employees yeah. that they have on staff, are they certified? You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Are they, yeah. are they 
handling their you know money and you know business correctly and, and able to provide the service to the city too that's the right. other thing you know, got to think about how, how comes it, i just got a curious question you you're talking about bringing on another project manager how, would you bring on an engineering firm to do that kind of stuff or would you just hire an independent person maybe project manager wise no we we we, we have someone with an engineering background for us uh, to do that work uh because we need that unique skill set yeah. Um, someone that really understands, you know, the project, the drawings, uh, the, the schedules um, uh, of that project so that it can go smoothly. Um, I got a question for you. I, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you hit off. Me. No, hit me. If it, it just because they have a PE in the in their name, and I'm not saying you said engineers are engineers. It, it, you, you have to have them. But if you have someone with 20, 30 years, 40 years of experience doing that type of work, why couldn't they be a project manager? They, they could. Okay. I mean, look at I was me. Just <laughs> I mean, look at me. I mean, come on. I, I mean, I, I'm I, I don't have, I don't a, have PE. a PE. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I think I know some stuff, you know. I, for, for the way we're looking at it this first go around, and, and so for us, we're starting out with just replacing a water mains. Why? Yeah. Because from a from a from an engineering standpoint, that's kind of the easiest type of uh, underground digging job that we have within our portfolio. Right. Um. So we're going to start out with the easiest first. Um, to your point, the reason why we have an engineering program for us to start out just because of the nuances of where we're at with these projects. And we just, yeah. for us, we want this thing to be very successful. Right. So we're, we're looking, we'll be looking at all of those things as we do a, you know, hot wash during this process, because that's the first thing that, you know, we're looking at number one, making sure that uh, we get performance, even if one of these subs are one of these uh, what we call junior GCs? Yeah. Um, uh, fail. We need to make sure performance is happening, right? Yeah. We need to make sure that they're meeting the green book standards and our and our our standards within our plans and specifications. Um, so we just we're, we're putting a lot more emphasis than you may not as it matures. But again, it's it's all to make sure that we see success with all the participants in this program. Yeah. No, I mean. It's awesome. Well, you, yeah, we're running out of time, and I wish we had more time to talk, Jason. I I, yeah. I love you know talking to you, and I think we could talk for a couple hours for sure. But uh, it's kind of ended. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? What's a you know good way to reach out? Like you know, especially when you're hiring, like where to go? I think yeah, you yeah. dropped the the website a little bit earlier, but yeah, go for it, man. BaltimoreCity.gov. Uh, uh, click on our HR section. Um, on our website, you'll see a whole lot of jobs. Please, please, um, you know, go and look for jobs. Uh, where, where is there available? All of my contact information is there. I, I, I just say for whether you choose Baltimore City or any municipality, this is a good space to work in. It's a, it's a done very well for me and my family. Um, and I think it'll do well for you and your family as well. This is just an excellent career that will be around for your children's 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 life because this water is so uh so important but two when we start now looking at sustainability of this utility yeah um that's 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 taking us to a whole nother realm you know how do we do waste of energy how do we deal with uh you know you know you know you know tides you know going up um how are we dealing with you know sustainability from a financial so you're going to enter this space in so many different uh, ways. It's just not an engineering. It's just not a construction. There's so many ways you can enter this space. 
And I, I say, you know, come join the team in, in Baltimore City. Um, uh, we'll be looking forward to having you in. And, and Chad, I just appreciate you taking the time out to really help you showcase Baltimore City as a beautiful city and, 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 and showcasing some of the stuff we're doing. Hey, man, I, 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 thank you. And I'm truly humbled to have you on here and, and talk about the awesome things going on in Baltimore, the crab cakes. I, I miss the crab cakes. That's Come one on thing now. I really yeah, miss. The blue crabs. I, I got to get down there. The Orioles, you know, the, uh, the Ravens are awesome. So you guys got a great sports town and it, it's a great place to visit. So, yeah, Absolutely. thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate it. No, thank you. Thanks for having me and, and have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too, man. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. We hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world. Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15-minute interview with your host at calendly.com slash chadsmeltzer. 